All right. We're, we're kind of changing the series to get ready for Christmas. Uh, we're going to talk about, uh, in this series, uh, just really, obviously this time of year, you're, you're speaking about the big word incarnation, that Christ became one of us. But we're going to talk about honey in the name. So we're going to talk about the name of God and the names of Jesus. Just we're, we're going to kind of lead up into uh, Christmas. You know, you know it, 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 as God said, you will call his name Emmanuel which is God with us. And so a name represents the character, the, the person, all that the person is. And so uh, there, there is no better place to find honey than in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ. And so we're going uh, gonna to follow up on last week's message, which was Moses in the book of Exodus, chapter 33. Basically, God said, I, I'm, I'm done with the people. I'm going to send a big angel, and I'm going to give you the promised land, but I'm not going with you. And it was a big test. You know, it, it's, it's uh, uh, you know, it, is it because God didn't want to go with him? No, I, I, I think God does these things to really see how's Moses going to respond. And Moses was like, I'm not going if you're not going. You know, it's, it's, it's uh, uh, it, it, he knew, I, I don't want a big angel without my big God. A big angel without God is nothing. I don't want honey without, I don't want the, all the, I don't want blessings without the one who gives them. It's like opening a, a present from someone that you love that's died. And you'd rather have them at the tree than the present. Amen? You know, having a present from someone that's no longer with you is like, you know, that's nice, but I want you here. I don't want a, I don't want a present. I want you. Now, again, there's nothing wrong with wanting you with the present. There's nothing wrong with that. God expects that. So Moses prays these prayers. And he says, Lord, teach me. That was his first prayer we talked about last week. We're always learners. When you stop being a learner, you stop growing. You never graduate. We'll never graduate even when we go to be with Jesus. That's not graduation. That's the beginning. We, we ran this course. Now we're in the next, uh, next level of training. And we're going to put to practice the things we've learned. So he said, teach me your ways. And then he said, the second prayer was, Lord, let your presence go with us. Now, I want to go to his third prayer. He kind of crescendos with this prayer. It's a bold, uh, audacious prayer uh, that, that this, this he, he prays it not out of a heart of, well, let me just read it to you. In Exodus 33, we're going to jump into verse 17. The Lord said to Moses, I, I'm going to do the very thing you've asked. In other words, I'm going to go with you and I'm going to, I'm going to teach you my ways. I'm, I'm going to answer your prayers. So he's emboldened. When you see God answering prayers, you know, I've so often seen this in newer believers. Newer believers' prayers usually get answered like that. Just, I mean, when I was a new believer, I started praying for things, boom. I mean, it's just, it would be like, and I just thought, that's the way it works. You pray, boom, God answers. I don't know, you walk with God, the longer you walk with him, the slower he gets. It's like, come on, pick it up. I've been asking for a long time about this. It's been three weeks, you know. God can wait decades. He's really patient. God can wait generations. There's promises that God waits generations to come. He doesn't think like we do in, in this immediate internet, touch the button and it's done. That does so much damage to the spiritual life. You know, it's just such a quick, 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 quick. 
you know, it's just, uh, I have a computer program that I do some studying on, and I can't figure it completely out, so I have to start over each time I want to go to a different, like, commentary to look up the same thing I'm looking at. I have hundreds of them on there, but it means I have to go back and press three different buttons to go to another commentary, and it frustrates me. Why can't I just go to the next commentary? And I gotta, like, oh, I've got to start over again. It means I swipe this, I have to click on that, and then I have to hit that again and do that. And it probably takes 10 seconds, and it's just traumatic to go through that. And if you thought about, well, you had, what if you had to go get the book and pull it off the shelf, and you wouldn't know where to open it? Anyway, so the point being, what was the point? I don't know the point. Oh, whoom, gone way past there was being a point in there somewhere. But why were we waiting? I don't, I get the waiting part. What were we waiting on? I don't know, waiting on the Lord. So the Lord said to Moses, I will do the very thing you've asked, verse 17, because I'm pleased with you and I know you by name. Now, if you're gonna go pray and right before you pray, God says, I'm gonna do it and I like you a lot. What's that do to your prayer? Puts oxygen in your lungs as opposed to you again, do you, have you seen your week? How about your month? Let's just go back and review. And you're asking for what? Again? What do you think you are? Who do you think you are? My dad would always use the phrase prima donna. I never knew what that meant. But it was never a good thing. You're acting like some kind of prima donna. I never knew what that was. Don't Google it now. You're in church. You'll lose your phone for the afternoon if you mess around with it. And, and so Moses has got this, this sense of, I've got, I've, I'm on a roll here, and I've got confidence, so I'm going to swing for the fence. I'm going to ask big. Ask big or go home. So this is what he asked for in verse 18. Then Moses says, all right, now show me your glory. Now you got to say, well, what's so radical? Here's a guy that sat at a bush that was on fire that didn't burn up and the voice of God spoke to him out of the bush. I'd say that's pretty cool. Never happened to me. This is a guy that held up a staff over a nation and crippled a nation with a rod of God. He brought plagues and he brought deliverance that he parted the Red Sea. This is a guy that climbed to the top of this mountain we're going to look at a little earlier and received the Ten Commandments from God. It's, and it was filled with this just incredible one. This is a guy that's encountered a lot. And he's saying, I want to see the fullness of the, the sense here is I want, to, I want to unveil yourself. Don't hold back. Show me you. This is the prayer that I think God desires in all of us. It's a great prayer. It's a prayer that says, I want to I see you for who you are. And when I do, that's going to cause me to love you in a way that I could never love you. To trust you in a way that I could never trust you. To follow you in a way I could never follow you. If I don't see who you are, the less you see of who God is, the less you worship him appropriately. The, 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 the more polluted your view of God is, the more polluted your walk with God is. The, 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 the more you bring God down to what you think he's like, instead of letting God be who he is, 
the more your faith will be diminished and weakened and anemic. And so show me your glory. And, and God's like, yes, I love that he asked this. Yeah, he's not mad at me. He's like, he's like now I want you to watch this process of how God is going to begin to prepare him for church. Now I'm going to view this as Moses going to church on the mountain. This is church on the mountain. And guess who the preacher's going to be? God. I never thought about that. And all my journey of walking with Jesus and being a preacher my whole adult life. My wife and I started, I was 22, she was 21. I started preaching when I was uh, 19 years old. So you can figure that out. 19, I've been preaching over 46 years. I've never thought about this. That I'm basically following in the footsteps of my God. I read this week, just a little bitty, God, they didn't mean anything by it hardly. Just a little comment. Basically, all my good thoughts I steal from other people anyway. That's what a good preacher is. He's a good thief. He steals ideas and stuff. And you just, I don't come up, I come up with very little on my own. And, but what I do like to do is find something somebody said that didn't seem all that big deal to them. But it's a big deal to me. And what I saw was, they made the statement that God was the greatest preacher. I've never thought about that. I've never thought about God preaching. That God has sermons. He's about to preach one. They're about to have church. God's about to bring the message. How would you like guest speaker this weekend? God. It might be a smaller audience. You never know. Moses. You're going to church on the mountain. Yeah. Who's preaching? God. You think he paid attention? Now look what it says. God says to Moses, verse 19, the Lord said, I, I will cause all my goodness to pass in front of you and I will proclaim my name, the Lord, in your presence. Now just remember, that's what it means to answer the prayer, show me your glory. It means I'm going to show you my goodness and I'm going to unveil my name. The sweetness of his name. I'm going to, I'm going to let you taste the honey of my name. I'm going, to, I'm going to... So remember that. Now God's going to explain how it's going to happen. And then we're going to look at it actually happening. And then verse 20. But he said to him, You cannot see my face for no one can see me and live. Now this seems like a contradiction because earlier in the chapter it says God knew Moses face to face as a friend. What he meant there is different than what he means here. What he meant there had to do with their intimate communion. God communed. There was no mediator between Moses and God. It was Moses and God together when he met. But it wasn't that God's face was unveiled in its full glory. So God's saying here, I'm going to show you, but I can't show you my full glory because no one can see God. That, that's just a biblical principle. Uh, if you will, uh, I just want to throw, we're going to come back to this verse in the days ahead. One of the most powerful verses in the New Testament, in the Gospel of John Verse one, uh, chapter 1, verse 18, it says, no one has ever seen God. No one. So it, there's times that they've seen uh, visions or dreams or, 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 or appearances. And, and those were really appearances of Jesus before he became 
a human. And, and I'll talk about that in a minute. But you can't, there's a thing about God that is in, in, inconceivable and invisible and impossible for us to grasp, to comprehend, to see in the fullness of who God is. Because it, it's so far beyond. If I can't stare at the sun without going blind, can you imagine? And it's like a little, little mercy drop and all of his wonder but no one has seen God but the one and only son Jesus who is himself God is in the closest relationship possible in his bosom it says he lays on his chest he has made the father known he's displayed him now keep that in mind Jesus is the revealer of God it, it, Jesus is the face of God now, keep that in mind and go back to this story. So God says, I'm going to preach a sermon. And the sermon is on my name. That's his favorite message. Because in his name is everything we ever need. It's the name that's above every name. It's a name that brings healing and deliverance and freedom. It's the name that represents who he is. So God says, I'm going to preach. But before you, I want you to know the kind of church you're coming to, Moses. Before I preach this and let my goodness come by. I want to kind of describe what church is going to be like in verse 21. The Lord said to him, to Moses, there's a, a place near me where you can stand on a rock and when my glory passes by, I'll put you in the cleft in the rock. I'll cover you with my hand until I've passed by. And then I'll remove my hand and you'll see my back, but my face must not be seen. Let me tell you something about this church service on top of the mountain. It's a safe place for a dangerous message. Safe place. See, God says, I I'm going to preach to you, but I want you to feel safe. I'm about to display my goodness to you. It's, it's, it's mind-bending. It's, it's life-transforming. It's, it's a glory that at best you're going to see a glimpse from the back because you couldn't handle more than that I know what you can handle I know you think you want more but I'm gonna only give you what you can handle but it's a safe place see here's what we've done to church we've made church a dangerous place so excuse me we've made church a safe place to hear ah, man I'm confusing myself this morning let me say it positively forget the negative the positive the vineyard us our philosophy. We want this to be a safe place to be able to encounter a dangerous God. This is a safe place in the sense that we don't criticize, critique, and condemn people. We don't worry about what people wear or don't wear. We don't judge where they're coming from, whether they just got out of jail or they just graduated from Harvard. We don't care if they drove up in a Mercedes or rode up on a broke down bicycle. We don't care whether they come in with a multi-million dollar bank account or they come in and they got no money. We, we don't care. It's a safe place this, this is a not we we work and it, churches are notorious to be unsafe in that way 
they, they become critical and judgmental and, you know, well, I don't know about that. And, and it's just, churches can be just horrible. Religion can be a very unsafe place for broken people, for hurting people, for people that have failed, which is all of us. That's why our church motto is that, that, that we, we love messed up people. God loves messed up people just like us. We don't say God loves messed up people like you. God loves messed up people like us. We're all messed up. We're an ugly church. And that's important to get that. Because an ugly church is a safe church. It's a, it's a safe church not to hide from God. It's a safe church to encounter God. Some churches want it to be a safe place to hide from God. That is lethal. Let's just change the message. We don't want to offend anybody. Don't get, let's don't speak in absolutes. Let's don't say, thus saith the Lord. Don't even quote the Bible. Because you know the Bible's not in vogue anymore. Let's don't, let's don't act like God has a right and a wrong because let's let people figure it out on their own. Let's just be a church that just is loving everybody in a way that really loves nobody because it's a love that has no backbone. It's a love that has no truth. It's, it's not safe. It's, a, it's, a, it's, in, it's infected with a disease of just do whatever you want and it won't matter. That's dangerous. That's lethal. That's an unhealthy uh, church life. You know, some of you need to flash back. We, I remind somebody that you've been coming to church for a long time. Uh, sometimes it's just good to try to go back in your mind. When's the, when was the first time you walked into a church service and it had been forever? Or maybe you've, you've just never been. Just can you go back? I, I went back to mine. I mean, I, I went back to where I, it just, it, it was, I didn't have the right, I didn't feel like I was dressed right, I didn't know how to hold the hymn book, it was all strange and weird because, you know, you, the, the, those hymn books levitate, you know that, have you ever done that? You ever shared holding a hymn book because there's never enough for everybody to have their own? Back then we didn't have words on the screen, we'd hold a hymn book, and so you'd hold one side of it, but you'd want to do your job, you didn't want the other person to hurt their arm, so you lift it a little harder. Then they lift it a little harder. Before you know it, by the end of the song, the book's up like this. Has anybody ever experienced that? It was like, and then you realize, I'm a Baptist, I can't lift my hands. And you put it back down. I'll never forget, I took a friend of mine to church, and they had communion like we just did. And it was one of those things, you're supposed to go up and get it and go back and wait on everybody. He was of a tradition that you take it as soon as you get it. And so... Uh, so he takes it. I said, no, man, we're going to all do it together. He goes, <laughs> he spits it out all over. Then he's all embarrassed. He's picking it up off the carpet. You know, in his mind, that body just spit the body of Jesus all over the church. And they're going to throw him out. And he doesn't know all the secret handshakes. And I don't know all the little buzzwords. And so we work hard to keep this a down-to-earth church that just normal people Flawed, broken, struggling, hurting, needy humans. We're humanoids at the vineyard. And that's an unusual thing. Religion has a sense of trying to hide our humanness. So God says, Moses, you're going to encounter a, a dangerous message of my goodness. You're going to experience a transforming 
proclamation of my name. I want you to feel safe. I'm not doing this to try to hurt you. In fact, an old hymn was written out of that verse. Rock of ages, cleft for me. Let me hide myself in thee. In actuality, this, this little cut, this cave in the rock is just a beautiful picture of what it means to be hidden in Jesus, covered by that nail-scarred hand. That when the goodness of God comes and the glory of God comes, I'm not feeling a sense of intimidation or rejection or because con- I'm in the rock. I'm hidden by God. So, so it's a safe church service for a dangerous experience with God. I don't want a, I don't want a, a, a safe experience with God. I want a dangerous experience with God. I want a, an experience that threatens my independence and my rebellion. I want an experience with God that challenges my unbelief and my negativism and my habits and hang-ups and addictions. I want an experience that's going to change me. I don't want to come in and have my, as the Bible says in the last days, people will find teachers that just tickle their ears and tell them what they want to hear and and just, it's okay, live however you want to live. Just do whatever you think is right in your eyes. But God's about to preach a sermon, and it isn't a sermon of suggestions. He's about to preach his name with an authority that only God could bring to the table. His word, not the words of men. He's not going to proclaim the opinions of men, the thoughts of the intellectual. He's not going to proclaim the, the, the theories of the theologians. He's going to preach the truth because that's all he has. That's who he is. And when God preaches, he tells the truth. God preaches. It's a safe place. So Moses is ready. He gets up. This, now the next chapter is the actual experience of what God just talked about that would happen. So in chapter 34, it says, The Lord said to Moses, chisel out two stones, because he'd already done this once, went down and threw them on the ground and broke them. Now he's back getting the Ten Commandments all over again. Verse 2, he says, be ready in the morning and then come up to Mount Zion, or excuse me, Mount Sinai and present yourself to me there on the top of the mountain. So I want you to get ready for church. Get up, get ready. Get your teeth brushed. Wash up. Put on something decent. I want you to get your heart ready. Spend some time. Get, be prepared. You're coming to meet with me. What if church became that? What if church became we're going to go meet with God? Not hear Jamie or Pastor Kim or not, not going to hear Kelly lead us in worship or Charles or we're going, where, where, are, you going, where are you going? We're going to go meet with God. That changed church. It's a safe place here to meet with him. It's a safe place to encounter a dangerous message. Dangerous to our pride and dangerous to our independence. Dangerous to sin and darkness, but not dangerous to our health and wholeness and being. He says, Moses, you know, it's interesting. Side note, not being ADD here. This is intentional. Side note, the Lord willing, this is somewhat shameless promotion. The Lord willing, one year from now, by on December the 8th, 2023, my wife and I will be climbing up this mountain, Mount Sinai, where Moses climbed, which also is called Mount Horeb. 
in the Bible or the mountain of the Lord. It's Mount Musa today. And you get up at two in the morning and you climb for hours. It's not like rope climbing. It's just stair steps. That's assuming I'll make it to the top. Uh, we have a challenge to be able to, to get in shape enough by then to make that climb. To watch the sunset on the mountain where Moses went to church and met God. Now, I hope to come back and tell you about it. I may not make it. I may die going up. Could die going down. Could die while I'm up. May not mean a lot can happen between now and then. But some, I'm going to stand here a year from now and tell you about it. Hopefully. That's just vision. Moses climbed to that mountain because he came. I'm going to meet God. Yeah, I want to see my friend. I'm going to meet God. What if there's angels there? Don't care about the angels. Going to meet God. Well, what if they're, you know, I'm going to meet God. I'm not sure they're going to have the right kind of breakfast sandwich. I'm going to meet God. I don't know if the food truck's going to be out there. I'm going to meet God. That coffee can often be awful bitter sometimes. I'm going to meet God. I don't know. It can go. I'm going to meet God. He came to church to meet God. He said, I want to hear a sermon from God. I don't care what Jamie has to say. I want to hear God. Speak to me, Lord. Promise you, if you start coming to church like that, don't matter who's preaching. You say, God, let me hear you today, in spite of the preacher, in spite of who's preaching. Can you imagine if we advertised Sunday morning, December 4th, guest speaker at the vineyard? God! Will you get in on it? This is his sermon. So Moses goes up to the mountain, he's going to meet God. Verse 5, the Lord comes down in the cloud and stands there by. I love this. Remember, it's a safe place. God's got his arm around him. He's going to preach to him. Not down at him. He's standing by him. And he goes and he proclaims his name, the Lord. Verse 6, the Lord passes in front of Moses. I don't know what he saw. It, this isn't bells and whistles. This isn't lights and lightning. This isn't flashes and thunder. I'll come back to that in a second. He stood there with him and proclaimed the name, his name, the Lord. He passed in front of Moses proclaiming the Lord, the Lord, or in the Hebrew, it's Yahweh, Yahweh. Now listen now, this is his name. This is him, the sermon on his name. Here's his big points. Compassionate. That's how he comes out of the box. That's how God preaches on his glory. His goodness is passing by. It's compassion. At his core of his being, in the center of his name, this is the honey in the name. He's compassionate and gracious God, full of grace. Slow to anger. That's probably my favorite one here. Slow to anger. We live in a world that is a hair trigger. Everybody. I don't know if it's hurricane, life, hair trigger. You pull out, they had to slow down. It cost them probably a tenth of a second of their life. And they literally want to run you off the road and shoot you. Slow to anger. Think of people that you tick off, that snap on you. God will never snap on you. He's slow. He's patient. Abounding in love. Squeezing. Squeezing. Anger isn't going to come out. 
He's not mad at you. You're mad at you. Others might be mad at you. You fear he's mad at you. Hear his sermon on his name. I'm not mad. I'm compassionate. I'm gracious. At the core of my being, this is who I am. When he's displaying to Moses the glory of who he is, how he is. Again, what color is compassion? What light would shine and you go, oh, that's compassionate blue. These aren't lights. What's he seeing? How does he know? These aren't just words. God saying, I am compassionate. I am slow to anger. No, come here, go to church with Moses. When God preaches, it's not just words. It's an encounter with a living God. He's present. He's displaying himself. I'm telling you what, what he's seeing. He's seeing Jesus before he comes to earth. The pre-incarnate, before he became a human. This is the Son of God, the glory of God that's passing by. He's seeing the cross. I have no doubt in my mind. You can't describe God's mercy. Look what he says. Abounding in love, faith and faithfulness, maintaining love to thousands, the ideas of generations. Thousands of generations. If God tarries, we think of our children's 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 children. 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 So oh the Lord will never I don't you don't know. Well, it's gonna be Saturday. You don't know. No man knows the hour nor the day. I don't care what they say on the radio. Nobody knows. They act like they know. Shut up. Here's a spiritual word for you. Shut up. Nobody knows. Could it be? Sure. Hope so. Nobody knows. Believe for your gender. My wife prays for our grandchildrens. How far do you get out with that prayer, honey? It's out there generation of generation of generation of generation of generation so what i'm doing now matters generationally and god says i'm not going to wear out i want there to be a vineyard when i'm gone for my grandchildren for my grandchildren's children and i want to know that there's a god that won't be exhausted he's not going to be god jamie wore me out Oh my gosh, I'm all, I'm all out, I'm depleted. Don't come to me for anything right now. Sucked dry by that generation of baby boomers. Sucked me dry. Got nothing left for the millennials. God forbid the Gen Xers and the, the Zers and the whatevers after that. God says, I got enough. It's in the name. There's enough honey. It's in the name. God's preaching. You see God smiling here. God's not like, it's the name of compassion. It's the, you know, no, this is God going, yes, honey, look. You know, God, look, geez, maybe Moses, Moses saw the future. You mean God could show? Yes. Listen, the Bible says that Moses wrote about Jesus. Jesus said that in the gospel of John. He's, this is a glimpse of Jesus here. You can't describe mercy without the cross. 
I see the cross in this path, whatever passed by, generations, seeing people coming to faith, seeing people on their face, seeing me as an 18-year-old lost, bound, addicted, blind, angry on my face in a, in a little forestry dormitory room, crying out to Jesus for mercy. And he gave forgiveness. That's what he saw. God preached his name showed him his goodness it's not to entertain Moses it's not to even impress him in the sense of no it's to capture him when God preaches God's preaching so that you can encounter him that you experience this it's not oh I know that I tasted it it's not well I bet that's sweet it is sweet because I tasted it I when God preached, he came and I experienced him. I experienced the slow to anger. Really? That's not an excuse to test him. It's a promise to trust him. To say, I'm not, I'm not giving up on you. I'm not giving up on you. I'll never give up. I'm slow. I'm long. I'm full and my core. Yes, there's justice with God. He talks about this. Yes, there's holiness. Yes, but he, he celebrates when he preaches his name. He's full of honey. God is full of the sweetness of goodness. He describes his glory with the word goodness. Think about that. God delights in revealing himself. He doesn't make it hard to find him. He does make it hard to find him if you're filled with pride. He hides himself right in clear view from people that are full of intellectual pride, religious pride, thinking they're better than others, thinking that God owes them an answer. Moses didn't say, show me your glory because you owe me an answer. I got all these questions. I want to ask God all these questions. Why don't you lay the questions aside and just say, show me your glory? Because you can't argue with goodness. But you know, people hated goodness in Jesus. They hated it. Goodness is a threat to darkness. Goodness is a threat to evil. They hated Jesus. What, he was just goodness of God passing by. They hated him. He was kind. They hated him. He was forgiving. They hated him. He spoke life. They hated him. How do you hate goodness? Because you're evil. Evil hates good. Evil wants to attack good and say that good is evil and evil is really good. When God preached, he shook the being of Moses, but he's in a safe place. Moses could have been intimidated. God's got his arm around him. I got you, son. I got you. I got you. God loves, love loves to reveal. Do you know that? God, God doesn't like to hide from us. He wants to show us who he is. My wife surprised me here a couple weeks ago on our 44th wedding anniversary. Don't make any plans. Don't make any plans after church on Sunday. Don't make any plans. And I'm like, I'm not going to make any plans. Don't make any plans. And don't eat anything. That's enough breakfast. No more. Don't eat anything. And so, are you hungry? I was like, man, she's making such a big deal out of taking me to some restaurant. And so, but I'm excited. I'm happy. I like to eat. So, we, we go, you know, and, and so she's 
dragging around, wasting time. I said, honey, I'm hungry. I know, don't be in a hurry, don't be in a hurry. I didn't know she'd pack the car with not with garbage bags saying she'd bring stuff to Caleb and Kayla and bringing, you know, and just, and so where it's raining, it's pouring her up in Ponte Gorda. It's like, honey, where's the restaurant? It's around here somewhere. She can't find it. Finally, she had to tell me, we're not looking for a restaurant. We're looking for a hotel. And uh, so she had, she had planned behind my back to get us a hotel room and, and just, but she literally wanted to tell me days ahead the secret. I could have got it out of her like that. She can't stand it. I don't, I said, I don't want to know. I'm going to, you're going to want to know. I don't want to know, honey. Surprise me. You're going to want to know. In other words, you want to tell me. And then she showed me, she brought some things. She showed me out of her pocket. She goes, this will help you understand what, what we're going to do. And I'm like, that means nothing. That does, that confuses me. What do you mean? What, what does that mean? We're going to go, how does that tie into going out to eat? I don't get it. What's the, you know? So, but the point is that her love was so satisfied at revealing. She didn't want to keep the secret. She wanted to tell it. But she told it at the moment. And God's like that. He's not hiding from you. Like, oh, you're, it's going to be hard to get to know me. No, it's hard to get to know him when you're coming after him in a wrong heart. But when you're a little child saying, Father, I want to see your glory, he says, I'm going to show you Jesus. Nobody has shown his glory more than the face of Jesus. So when we go through Christmas and this season about Christ coming, he came to be all of those things that we just read about. And we'll see that in the different names that Jesus wears that are the honey in those names. And then Moses says this, and I'll close with this. Verse 8, Moses bows to the ground at once and worships. He says in verse 9, O Lord, if I found favor in your eyes, let the Lord go with us. And although this is a stiff-necked people, forgive. He has confidence. He has assurance in the mercy of God. Even though these people are stiff-necked, forgive our wickedness and take us as your inheritance. He had confidence. God's not going to let go. Go with us. Moses came to a decision. See, God, when he preaches, he loves to brag on his name because there's nothing better. It's full of honey. God loves to bring us to a safe place to see a dangerous glory. He loves to be with us. He loves to challenge us because he, he believes in better but God never preaches without looking for a decision. He didn't just say, okay, that was a good word. Okay, everybody go home. And he says, I, wanna, I want you to draw a line in the sand. And I want to decide, you're going to step over that line or you're going to stay behind it? You're going to step over that line and follow my goodness? Or are you going to stand back and miss it? You're going to embrace my name and let it be sweet on your lips? And trust me in a greater way or are you going to stand back and let, it, let the goodness went by and, and you missed it? You missed it. Went right by you. The goodness of God in the sermon that God preached and you missed it. God will let you do that. That's an amazing thing about him and his mercy. But don't miss it. 
God's preaching this morning through his spirit, through his word, and he's calling us as a people to see his glory in a new way. A dimension of God that's not about a light show. It's about an act of forgiveness. There's nothing more glorious than you being forgiven or forgiving somebody else. There's nothing more glorious than compassion instead of revenge. There's nothing more glorious than the sacrifice of love for those that don't deserve it. This is glory. This is the glory that Jesus came to show. Jesus didn't walk around like a superhero glowing. There's glowing Jesus, taller than everyone else, can leap over high buildings, and super Jesus, our superhero of the day. Now he's just a guy that was filled with God. I mean, people couldn't get past he's just a guy thing. They couldn't get past he's weak, he's limited. He gets spit on and he, he doesn't, he can't, he doesn't, he doesn't have any. Oh, but he had a glory of goodness that was so much more powerful than evil. And he destroyed darkness with that goodness, with the self-sacrifice of his life. What a God. What did Moses see? I'm convinced he saw a glimpse of Jesus. He saw the back. We get to see the face. We get to see the full face of Jesus that's been revealed if we'll let God open our eyes and show us the wonder of who Jesus is this Christmas season. Let's be on a venture. Let's make this our prayer this Christmas. Lord, show, show me your glory. Let me see you for who you really are, how you really are, at the core of who you are. Let me hear your sermon on your name. There's honey in that name, and I want that honey. I want to know you trust you more, love you more. I want to experience what you have for me and not be robbed. You know, the devil preaches despair. He is a phenomenal preacher of despair. Have you ever been under his sermons? Hmm? Come on. Yeah. It's despair, gloom, depression, condemnation. He can preach the paint off the wall with despair and rob you of any hope. He'll suck the life out of the lungs of a believer by condemnation and telling you how angry God is. But we have a God who's a preacher. But he preaches hope. He preaches resurrection. He preaches love. He preaches forgiveness. He calls us to a decision though. He calls us who we're going to listen to. What church are we going to be a part of? The church of, oh, it'll make me happy church? Or the church where I climb to the top of the mountain and I meet with God? I let God speak to me. God change me. Make me what he wants me to be. And I'm going to fall down and worship him. I'm going to trust him and believe in him. Goodness is passing by. Don't miss it. Let's pray. Father, what a preacher you are. I can't even, I, haven't, I, I can't even touch it, Lord. All I can do is talk about it. But you displayed the wonder of your name. You preached your name 
in a way that is transforming. Father, you showed your goodness to Moses so we could see it through him. But, oh, Lord, it's just a taste. It's just a, uh, a glimpse of Jesus and what you did in Christ. And I know Jesus was there with you when you were proclaiming that name. There's no name that's sweeter than the name of Jesus. There's no name where we can find forgiveness and salvation but at the name of Jesus. There is no other name where we can find hope and salvation but the name of Jesus. You're here today. You heard God preach to you that he loves you. You've heard him put his arms around you and let his goodness pass by and show his forgiveness, his mercy, his long-suffering. He's not angry at you. He's not preaching despair. He's preaching hope. But you've got to respond. Yes, Lord. It's the, it's the appropriate responses. You say to God's sermon, amen. You say to God's message, amen. Yes, let it be in my life. Let it be. If you're here and you've never turned your life over to Jesus, this is a time right now. He's, he's here. He's passing you by. Wants to put his arms around you. Bring you home. Forgive you. Wash you. 